How many of you dread going to the mailbox? <laughs> I, I used to love to go to the mailbox, but I started dreading it and I couldn't quite figure out why until this week when I actually did an experiment. I actually paid attention to everything that came in the mail to see why I had this nagging dread every time I went to the mailbox. What I discovered was that in this week's mail, I did not receive one personal piece of mail. And 100% of the things that came in my mailbox had something to do with money. Even the magazines were trying to sell me something through their ads. The rest of the mail was bills or flyers. And then 50% of what came in the mail was some kind of a fundraising plea. Houston Museum of Fine Arts, Houston Grand Opera, Houston Symphony, ballet. I ended up on somebody's arts list somehow. <laughs> Going into political season, someone said, you're gay, that's how you got on those lists. <laughs> I suspect you're probably right, you know, a little, a little stereotyping going on out there in the, in the mailing list world. <laughs> it's also political season, so there were fundraising requests for political candidates. There were some fundraising requests for world hunger, a number of really good causes that I'd have loved to have given to. But as all this was coming in the mail, I, I found myself thinking, is there anywhere I can go to, to get away from people asking for money? Are there just dollar signs everywhere? There's got to be some place to get away from this. And I thought, well, I can, I can read the Bible. This is a good reason to read the Bible. Get a little peace there. So I looked at today's scripture reading from 2 Corinthians. And guess what? It's a fundraising letter. <laughs> The Apostle Paul here is actually writing a fundraising letter to the church in Corinth. I thought, well, maybe if even the Bible has a fundraising letter like this, maybe God is trying to get a message to me and to us. Maybe God is trying to get us to rethink what money is all about. Maybe in its best sense. This kind of appeal is not so much about obligation, but about opportunity. Maybe it's about God trying to work in ways that we maybe haven't imagined before. Now what's going on in this scripture that's printed for you there in your worship folder is this. The Christian faith started in Jerusalem. And for a while, the Jerusalem church was doing really well. It was the founding church, the strong church. But the church in Jerusalem had come upon very hard times. It was under great persecution. They were facing great economic difficulty. In other words, they needed help. So Paul, as part of his missionary journey to the Christian churches and other places, began to tell those churches about the need in Jerusalem. And he was trying to say to the churches in Macedonia and Corinth, it's not just about you. In fact, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the church in Jerusalem, but now the church in Jerusalem needs help, and you can help them. That was Paul's appeal. Now, the church in Macedonia was a poor church. 
facing their own struggles, their own challenges. But they looked into themselves and they said, this sounds like a real need. Even though we're hurting ourselves, there's got to be some way that we can help. So the churches in Macedonia went above and beyond. They found out that it brought out their true colors, as Scripture says. The people in Macedonia looked inside themselves and said, yes, we can find a way to help, and they did. And it's possible that we're even here today because of the ministry of that Macedonian church, supporting the church in Jerusalem and keeping the faith alive for the Christian faith to continue to grow through the centuries. That small group of people in Macedonia planted seeds that made it possible for us to even be here at this moment. So it's not just another fundraising appeal. What Paul is writing about here is a life-saving appeal. Now the amazing thing is, while the Macedonian church was giving so generously and so liberally, the church in Corinth was simply celebrating their blessings. The church in Corinth was the church that was known for its excellent worship. They were known as a people of praise. The church in Corinth was a prosperous The church in Corinth had all the resources. It was the church to be at. Everyone wanted to worship there. And yet when it came time for them to help the church in Jerusalem, they said, we need these resources for ourselves so that we can keep growing. We have lots of ministry to do right here. Paul was aware of this spiritual dynamic. And so what he's doing here is he's challenging the wealthy, prosperous, worshiping, praising church in Corinth to match the generosity of the church in Macedonia. It's really not about a guilt trip. That's not what Paul is trying to do. What Paul is trying to do is to say, giving is about transformation. And even though you're praising God now and growing now, if you continue to hold on to your resources and hoard your resources, it's all going to cave in on you. It's about transformation. And when you give to the needs of the church in Jerusalem, you are also releasing God's power and life within yourself. So what Paul is saying is, be transformed. The church in Jerusalem does not have to suffer. The church in Jerusalem does not have to collapse. In fact, through you, all things are possible. We sang that song just a moment ago. And that's what Paul is trying to say here. Transformation is possible. It can happen if you just release the seeds, the gifts that God's given you. There is enough. All things are possible. Say that with me this morning. All things are possible. Transformation is powerful. In this scripture from 2 Corinthians, Paul sees our giving as a way for us to fling open the doors of our heart, to share in God's work of transformation. Think how amazing this is. Just think. 
The God who created the universe has chosen us to join in the work of transformation. It is for us as it was for Abraham and Sarah. God said to them and now says to us, I am blessing you to be a blessing to others. We may not always feel like it, but the reality is if we stop and look into our own hearts and look around, we are amazingly blessed. And the blessings we have, they are potentially seeds that can be used to bless somebody else. I challenged us to do this experiment of kind of listing what comes in the mail on a given day. And it can be kind of discouraging. But how about ending each day listing the blessings that have come? When you look at those blessings, consider how many of them have come through somebody. Maybe that person who called you when you needed that call. Maybe that member from Resurrection who you ran into at brunch and developed a new friendship with. Our greatest blessings come through other people. And that is the call on each one of us to take the blessings of our lives and to share them through giving and through relationship, through ministry. That is what our community is hungry for more than anything else. That's why the bars are so full. People are looking for connection. They're looking for relationship. They're looking for something deep and transformative. I believe that resurrection more than any other church is called to open our arms and fling open our doors to offer that powerful transformative relationship that is our deepest calling. To move people from isolation to community. To move people from silence to witness. It is an incredible calling that we have. And it is about life. In fact, that's what giving really is. We're transformed for a reason. We are transformed to become people who truly are alive and full of love. And that's what giving is really about. Stewardship never begins with money. Stewardship always begins with God and the question, and with this question, who would God have me be? And it continues with the next question, what would God have me do? With stewardship, our entire life becomes worship. Stewardship is to fling open the door to new possibilities for growth. Stewardship transforms our lives and the lives of those around us. It was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die. Yes, giving is really about living, and it's also about loving. Giving is really about living and loving. It's about being And then from that place of deep spiritual transformation, that place of being inside ourselves, to then begin doing. To act on behalf of God's grace. 
There was a new Christian in Australia who was so excited when he got news that Mother Teresa was coming to Australia to do some ministry. It was happening through his organization, and he was excited that he was given the wonderful assignment of being Mother Teresa's guide and gopher while she was there in Australia. And he thought, what an incredible opportunity. I'm a new Christian, and I get to hang out with one of the number one Christians in the world. How much am I going to learn from this? So he began to anticipate the conversations they would have and, and how his experience with Mother Teresa would change his life. Well, she got to Australia, and of course, he eagerly greeted her and welcomed her. And he was so excited about their first conversation. But every time he got ready to have a conversation with her, she was called to do some kind of ministry somewhere, or there was someone there to meet with her. And this went on for that entire trip. It's like he was with her the whole time, but could not get a moment to to really listen to her. And the trip came to an end, and he'd still not had that conversation that he dreamed about. He was frustrated. He was disappointed. But he wanted to spend that time with her so much, he thought, maybe if I offer to assist her on her plane trip and sit next to her on the plane... I'll have a chance to learn from her and to draw on her wisdom. So he said to her, on your way to Papua New Guinea, that was her next trip, on your way to Papua New Guinea, could I sit next to you and and, and have this conversation with you? I I want to learn from you. And he said, I'll I'll pay for my my own ticket. I've got the money to pay for my own ticket. And Mother Teresa said, you have enough money for a last minute ticket from Australia to Papua New Guinea? He said, yes, I want to sit next to you and learn from you. And she said, if you have enough money for a last-minute ticket to Papua New Guinea, then you need to give that money to the poor. And you will learn much more from that giving than you would ever learn from me. That is the truth for us today as well. Giving is not so much about getting up. It's about learning and growing, being and becoming and doing. God has given us an incredible mission, an incredible ministry. And just as those people in Macedonia gave, and so we worship here today, we are called to give to touch lives well into the future beyond what we could ever imagine or dream. You may say, I'm just one person and we're just one church and we have our own needs. Well, God has a vision for us that's greater than our vision for ourselves. And the real key here is to simply ask God to give us the vision of ourselves. If all of us live into the vision that God holds for us, it's amazing what God will do through us and through this community. One person who really opened her life to God and said, God, what would you have me do? Has a powerful story, and she's now touching lives in amazing ways. It's Ayanla Van Zant, and this is a little bit of what happened when she allowed God to vision through her, and when she opened herself to what God wanted to do. We owe it to ourselves to expand our vision of who we are. We owe it to God to expand our sense of what we can do. I now realize that there have been many situations in my life in which I have fought to hold on to reasons and excuses for not being where I wanted to be. It's always easier to blame others. It's even easier to find a perfectly logical excuse 
for not growing. One day, I decided to take a risk. You must be willing to risk losing everything if you're serious about getting anything. I risk my life, my resources, my need to be right, and the fear of being afraid. And I asked God to show me myself as God saw me. This vision was so spectacular, I had to run to keep up with it. And you know what? None of what I'm experiencing is what I asked for. And all of it is better than I dared to even dream about. And that's what Paul was really trying to do in today's scripture. He wanted that church at Corinth a church with so much potential to see itself the way God saw it. He wanted the people there to see themselves through God's vision. And that is God's call for us today. God's vision of us is greater than any vision we could ever have for ourselves. It's true for us as a church, and it's true for us as individuals. Ask God, who do you want me to be, and what do you want me to do? and then wait for the answer. You will be surprised and empowered and transformed by God's vision of you. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. God of transformation, God of life, God of love, God who visions us beyond what we could ever dream or see, vision us again today. And show us how we can take the blessings in our lives and see them multiplied as we release them. You have so much for us. There is so much you want to do through us. You want to make ministry happen. You want to see seeds planted everywhere. You want doors flinging open and hearts opening wide. You want to dream your dream through us and vision your vision through us. Just open us to those possibilities and remind us again and again and again and again that all things are indeed possible through you. Amen.